Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Sports with Friends. If you're listening domestically, happy Thanksgiving, the holiday. This is the biggest travel day of the year. So hopefully you're going to listen in in a car or a plane or a bus or a train. Where do I begin with this podcast? First of all, we have a wonderful guest. And second of all, let's talk about football. Well, soccer here in America. First of all, that name always bothers me because uh, when you're watching football, people they call the players footballers, and and it, it just it's a it's a fitting name. The only place where it doesn't fit is in the United States. For the last couple of years, uh, I have embraced the English Premier League. Uh, I have talked uh, extensively about a combination of number one streaming services. Number two, the COVID lockdown. And number three, you know, my history with my family, my wife uh, has family in England and they are season ticket holders for Arsenal. And I've always known that. Uh, but you throw in the fact that I wasn't watching as much baseball. I started watching the English Premier League. I started watching Arsenal. I subscribed to Peacock and I would get their games and... I find the, the game very riveting. I think that, let's for all intents and purposes, uh, this version of football, first of all, the games are shorter. The uh, games don't have commercials in the halves. Um, I just find it's, it's, it's a very fast-flowing game. Um, not a ton of offense, but there's a ton of action. And uh, the personalities are really interesting. I thought... Um, the Premier League did a great presentation. I also got the EA Sports video game. So there's a lot there. As far as professionally, I covered the 2010 World Cup when I was working for ESPN. And the pageantry of it was pretty neat. You remember the Vuvuzelas? I actually have one. That was in South Africa. I wasn't in South Africa. I was in New York City and Bristol, Connecticut. But in 2010, there was an announcement made that the 2022 World Cup was going to be hosted by the Middle Eastern country Qatar, or Qatar as it's also called. Recently, there's been a Netflix documentary called uh, FIFA Uncovered, which explains the absolute corruption in how the nation of Qatar bought the rights to this World Cup. Then you combo that with the absolute atrocities that were taking place with migrant workers. Uh, allegedly, 6,500 migrant workers died in the construction of these stadiums. And we could do a whole podcast on the uh, globalization of it, the political aspects of it. We could talk about human rights. I, we can do all that. Believe me, uh, that's not lost on me. Uh, but this is a sports podcast, so we're just going to focus on the sport. The other issue I have with Qatar is the fact that because of the heat, the World Cup couldn't be played in the summer. It had to be played in November slash December, and that's right smack dab in the middle of so many of the domestic leagues, including the Premier League. Now, I come from a baseball perspective, right? I covered baseball for over 25 years. I hated the World Baseball Classic because of the timing of the tournament. I thought before a 162-game season, 
nobody in their right mind would want to play in an international tournament for the good of your country because the team that you were signed to was paying you millions and millions of dollars. Well, just using the Premier League as the example, they are taking six full weeks off. And it makes no sense to me. As an Arsenal fan, there are 10 players representing Arsenal in Qatar. And from a fan standpoint, all I care about is I don't want to see these guys get hurt. Because who am I rooting for here? Do I want the United States to win? Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Um, am I an England fan? Well, my favorite soccer player is Bakayo Saka. And he's great. And I'd like him to have success. But... I will say this, Japan, don't play Tomiyasu, and Switzerland, don't play Granit Xhaka, and France, don't play William Saliba, and Brazil, please, for the love of God, please do not play Gabriel Jesus. Yes, that was a pun, and I intended it. This is also a big week in the National Football League here at home. It's also a massive college football rivalry week. Uh, We'll talk so much about that, and we'll actually... Speak to the head odds maker at BovadaSportsbook.com, Patrick Morrow, in just a little bit. He'll preview the Thanksgiving games as well as that massive Ohio State-Michigan game. So there's that. Plus, there's all this college basketball stuff going on. There's so much going on. Tab Ramos is our special guest today. He is a former player, played 13 years professionally in Spain, Mexico, and the United States. He was the first player to sign with Major League Soccer, and he spent the last seven years of his career with the Metro Stars. They became the uh, New York Red Bulls. Played for the U.S. national team from 1988 to 2000 in 81 appearances, and is currently a broadcaster for NBC Universal. Now, if you know, in the in the United States, uh, Fox has the domestic rights uh, to the World Cup, but NBC Telemundo and Peacock, the app has the Spanish-language broadcasts. Uh, Ramos is calling those games in Spanish. To his credit, uh, he does this podcast in English, or at least I hope he will. So with all of that on the table, let's, through the magic of Zoom, welcome in Tab Ramos to Sports with Friends. He is coming to us from a hotel room in Qatar. First of all, thanks so much. I think this is the furthest I've ever reached out to uh, the, via the magic of Zoom uh, to do an interview on this podcast. Uh, tell me, uh, how's the experience in Qatar been? And do they fight about the pronunciation as much as it seems like they do here? Is it Qatar or Qatar? Well, first of all, you're, I think you're, you're right about how far this is. This is about uh, 14 hours uh, oh. flight from Newark Airport. So that's... Uh, at least as a direct flight, which was nice. Uh, in terms of the uh, how they pronounce it, no, I haven't. I haven't heard anyone argue one way or the other. Um, we've been saying Qatar, uh, mm-hmm. but however, I haven't heard anything different really. When when the announcement came, you know, twelve years ago, um, you're in a very much uh, a very different time in your career. But as time has gone on, did you think about? the ramifications of coming there, about going so far, about such a unique thing with such a unique storyline? Yeah, no question. I mean, I I think I was in the same place as everyone else. You know, we thought, uh, number one, just off the surface, how can such a small country by itself host the World Cup? And in particular, 
a country that didn't have a strong professional league um, that we would know internationally. So that, you know, that sort of was a little bit of a red flag from a sporting side. Well, look, you know, I, I don't, we, we, you know, all the, all the, the controversies have been well-documented. That's not why I wanted to have you on. What I do wanted to ask you uh, with regard to Qatar is the moving of the World Cup from the summer to November. Um, so many of the leagues are taking these giant breaks. And it's it, I've never seen this in sports. You know, I, I've covered baseball for 20-some-odd years, and the World Baseball Classic took place in March, and I thought, that's the dumbest time to, to have it, right before a 162-game season. This is even dumber. This is right in the midst of your regular season. What's your thought on the idea that, you're literally breaking out because the world cup has such significance for the players to literally mentally check out of their seasons is so unique. Yeah. There's no question that is difficult uh, in terms of what I think of it being at, at this time. Well, number one, obviously in, in this country uh, you, you probably couldn't help, but, but, you know, host it at this time. Having said that, there's something that I really like about this world cup. And that's the fact that, I think for the first time we see players that are coming in the middle of the season where they're as fit as they can be. And they're in the middle mm. of difficult competitions. Whereas in the past, you know, your league ends, you've had a grueling long year. You take a few weeks off, you have a little bit of, you know, you get the team together and you kind of, you know, get going into the world cup as uh, you know, uh, as a start of something new, I, I like the fact that every player here is at a, you know, the, the guy, the guys who are not injured are, are flying at a hundred percent and they're ready to go. So I'm, I'm okay with that. We'll have much more on the 2022 world cup with Tab Ramos, who is in Qatar right now. Domestically, it is a big week for the NFL and college football. So what we will do is we bring in the head odds maker at Bovada, Patrick Morrow, is talk about the three upcoming Thursday Thanksgiving NFL games and then the biggest of all the college football matchups this weekend, Ohio State-Michigan. All right, so let's take a look at uh, this Thursday, the Turkey Day. Uh, the first game is the Buffalo Bills and the Detroit Lions. Um, the, you know, the Bills played at Ford Field last week. Uh, they come in as a huge favorite. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one here, Seth, uh, for, for a few reasons. You know, the, 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 the Bills weirdly just were in Ford Field because of all the snow. Uh, the Bills are coming off, uh, you know, a, a much needed win against Cleveland. And even in that game, they got off to a slow start. This is this is a Bills team that looked like world beaters to start the year. You know, we kind of uh, excused that loss to the Dolphins in the scorching heat because that was a real tough game for them in bizarre elements. Uh, but otherwise, they've looked uh, you know, they, they looked a little pedestrian against the Jets. They've allowed comeback wins. Uh, a good matchup for the Bills in this one in that the Lions are coming in at four and six. Uh, the point spread is sitting at 10 right now. But um, curiously, uh, the Lions are taking about 80% of all bets right now, which is not something that we are used to saying at Bavada on Turkey Day. The over-under set is sitting at 54.5, which is the biggest number on the board this week. If the first game's in Detroit, that means the second game must be in Dallas. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys have the tradition. They always host on Thanksgiving. And this time they host an NFC East rival, the 7-3 New York Giants. 
it's been a weird season for the Giants. They have continued to outperform expectations. Uh, they, they certainly haven't gotten a lot of, uh, I guess we'll, I guess we'll call it respect uh, from odds makers, and that's reflected currently in this line as the Cowboys are nine and a half point home favorites at Bavada. But you know, now that Dak is healthy and uh, he's, he's connecting with his receivers a little bit uh, better than he was previously, a little bit more consistently. Um, the Cowboys are a scary good team. Uh, you know, maybe maybe the best team in the NFC right now behind the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, so I, I think the spread's right where it should be. And the betters kind of seem to agree as well as we're seeing about a 50-50, uh, yeah, it's it's exactly a 50-50 breakdown on Giants bets and Cowboys bets at Bavada right now on both the money line and the point spread. So uh, yeah, the, the Giants, that they've won in quirky ways. They've, uh, you know, they've utilized the mobile uh, QB a little bit more than his passing. Uh, Interesting game for sure. I, I think we'll have to be creative to pull this one out, though. And then the nightcap. Now, that can be in a different place every day. And you mentioned Minnesota. Uh, they got throttled by Dallas, Patriots, and the Vikings on Thursday night. Yeah, uh, you know, th- this is a good opportunity for the Vikings at home to shake off a little bit. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, shake off a little bit of what happened against the Cowboys. Uh, this is a decent matchup for them. You know, the Patriots, uh, they're, they're, they're not very strong offensively. Mac Jones is still finding his way a little bit. The wide receiver situation isn't particularly great. So the Vikings defense should have an easier time. Uh, and I, I don't think uh, Cousins will be running for his life in this game as much as he was against the Cowboys. The spread is currently sitting at Minnesota minus three at Bavada. Patriots getting a little bit more love so far. And uh, the over-under is sitting at 42, the lowest total of the day. And uh, most bets coming in on the under there, so. No question about it. Let's talk about the game that has the biggest implications of all of them. Uh, Michigan and Ohio State, number two versus number three. Um, it's at Columbus, and you know, and basically the winner has a ticket to the college football playoff. Uh, the loser doesn't. I mean, it, it, this is essentially a playoff game. These are two of the top powerhouses in the country. Michigan's had an amazing season. So has Ohio State. Uh, they're both great, and you know, the only reason why I think Ohio State has the edge is they're at home. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's Ohio State has been uh, much more impressive uh, offensively this year. Of course, Michigan has had uh, some injuries uh, uh, all, all over uh, the offense. I was going to say a QB, but I, I think they've had some key injuries at wide receiver. So it's been a little bit trickier to get uh, you know a, a complete picture of how good this Michigan team is this year, just because they haven't had all their parts for so many of the games they played in. Uh, they, they struggled uh, a lot against Illinois last week. Uh, needing a last-second field goal to uh, stay undefeated and still be in the college football playoff uh, conversation. Uh, outside of Georgia, these are, yeah, like you said, these are two teams that are right there in contention. Ohio State's uh, five to two, and Michigan twelve to one to win the national championship. Uh, so, based on those future odds, it wouldn't surprise you that Ohio State is a seven and a half point home favorite at Nevada in this one set. Uh, action pretty 50-50 so far, but uh, yeah, th- this is as good as it gets. Two versus three. Uh, split action, uh, over-under sitting at 57 right now. Uh, and it's the first game of the day, right at noon. Great way to set the tone for the rest of the day. That is Patrick Morrow, the head odds maker at Bavada. Trust me, all the games, college, pro, World Cup, all of them are on the Bavada website. Now back to Qatar, or is it Qatar? I'm still conflicted. And our fantastic conversation with Tab Ramos.
there's this argument that they're going to that, that players and I'm stereotyping because every player is different, uh, but the players are going to be so connected to what goes on, the emotion of a tournament such as this. Um, you think about past World Cups and how much that drains you. What I'm wondering is how much any of these guys have, especially the stars, have left when they get back to their regular team. And I totally agree with you on that. I, I think I think the bigger issue is what happens after, uh, because there's no question yeah. that all the players and you you saw it leading into here that some players you know, didn't play a full game right before they came. Some players didn't play at all the last game right before they came. So the players have been focused on doing as well as they can to play for their country, even though they're playing in the leagues, even though they're playing games that they have to win every week. The World Cup is really important. And I think what happens is, you know, obviously only one team wins and the rest leave here as as losing teams. And that's difficult mentally to adjust you when you leave here and you you're coming off a disappointment to go back to your club uh, that you know that that's a difficult thing and at the same time for the team that becomes champions you know it, it, it's difficult now for you know you okay you just won the world cup uh you know Mbappe now you play Lille next week you know right, right. not easy not easy to get up to those games yeah I, I I can't imagine and you know it's it's it the the funny part from my standpoint is you know, I look at it from the baseball perspective and, you know, I'm not comparing the world baseball classic to a world cup. I understand the significance of the world cup, but I have said, and I've talked to many general managers in baseball who have said they wouldn't want their pitchers to, to, to pitch in this thing. Like they would, they would literally hold them out. It's the, the, the value of and potential for injury you know, I, I, I joke because uh, uh, my, my family and I, I root for Arsenal. Right. And and Arsenal has, I think, nine players in this this tournament and just playing the odds. One of them's getting hurt. <laughs> and, and, it, and 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 so you're conflicted from a fan standpoint in just sure. I, I, I'm not I'm not denying national pride. But I guess I'm not grasping the scope of how important something like this is. And I was hoping that you could clarify how big this is compared to any team that plays and how, you know, being a fan of a team is is so far down the list that it's remarkable. Uh, Yeah, you can't you can't compare. I think your example, although I I think it matches up in terms of having a competition. you know, beginning a season, as you mentioned, with the World Baseball Classic, um, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm sure a few million people watch that. This is, you know, this is huge. And this is for your country. And every player is proud of their country. And it means so much more to most of them than what it would mean to play for their club. The difficult part is, as you said, you know, the clubs are paying the big bills. They're paying the salaries. And it's difficult for the clubs. But I think they know the deal. They know that the value of their players also is based on how popular they get worldwide. And the World Cup, with the billions of people that watch the World Cup, uh, you know, you're you're at the you're at the most important window you can be at. And if your player is there, that is a good thing for your club. It, it, it's it's a it's a it's a positive. What has been the reaction in the early days uh, to the games? What's been the atmosphere in the stadiums? in compared to other places again you know you guys do uh, i watched a, a little bit of your broadcast on on peacock and uh, first of all it's a great broadcast but uh 
give me a sense of the atmosphere of what those stadiums are like. Well, I have to tell you, I, I went to I went to the Argentina Saudi Arabia game and really? I went to and I went to the France uh, Australia game last night and the atmosphere has been amazing. I'm not I'm I'm not sure that all the games will be like that. But when Argentina was playing Saudi Arabia, I thought the state, there was 90,000 people there. I thought the stadium was going to explode. It was amazing. There were so many Saudi fans there. Obviously, they're, they're next door to here. It's basically, they're basically like a host country in this World Cup. Uh, and obviously, the Argentina fans travel by the tens of thousands everywhere. Um, the stadium was amazing. I mean, it was an incredible atmosphere. This portion of Sports with Friends is brought to you by Uncommon Goods. One of the hardest things that I have found, especially in my adult life, is shopping for my mom, my teenager, my in-laws, even friends. I don't know what to get as gifts. I hate bringing things and I hate doing gift cards. Uncommon Goods makes it easy to find remarkable and truly original gifts for anyone. Uncommon Goods wants your holiday season to be stress-free, so check out their selection of thousands of items today. Here's a couple that I found and got for my relatives. The MLB Park Map Glasses. Each set of two whiskey glasses features a map of an iconic MLB stadium in the team's two main colors. I got one for a friend in Seattle, and I got one who's a Nationals fan. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S., they have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. No matter what your family or friends are into, Uncommon Goods has the perfect gift. From art and jewelry to kitchen, home, and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everybody. And when you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small, independent businesses. With every purchase that you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back a dollar to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash SWF for sports with friends. That's uncommongoods.com slash SWF for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. Now back to the show. What has been uh, your perception of FIFA um, as, you know, the years have gone on, uh, you know, and again, I'm not I'm not trying to just sit here and do a rip job, but just the idea of FIFA being so maligned over the last decade or so. And there's been so much changeover, the, the new president, new everything, new board, the, the all of those things. Um, once the, the 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 ball starts rolling. Does any of that matter? Does any of that just kind of get washed away once these games are actually being played? Well, I mean, I, I think you you can't say that things get washed away. You know, people, you know, continue to be concerned as they should with many issues. Uh, you know, FIFA has not, let's say, gotten the, the, the most positive press over the last 30 years. It's not just oh, sure. the last couple of years. So yeah, this has been an ongoing, this has been an ongoing thing. At the same time, I have to look at it from a fan's perspective and from a player's perspective and from a coaching perspective. And it's, it's truly amazing how much FIFA has grown the game in the world. Um, you know, the game is, is, is huge. It, it's so much bigger than it was 
five years ago and it's so much bigger than it was 15 years ago or 20 years ago mm -hmm. it's and it's truly um the the game the way the game is presented the the way the game is viewed um the technology behind what's going on uh it's really a different level and and they have to get a little bit at least a little bit of credit for that you know it, it, it's funny i think for for listeners we we have a global audience on the on the podcast you know i i, I know from social media, I know people listen all over the country, but uh, for the most part, I would say this is a predominantly American uh, 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 audience. Um, the American team, uh, a lot of people talk about how young they are. And what I have trouble with is comparing, for example, uh, Major League Soccer to the Bundesliga, to the Premier League, to Syria. Uh, like all these leagues, they're not necessarily rankable. And the United States, they play all over the world, but this is the United States team. Um, what are realistic expectations and what have you taken away from what you saw from them so far? Well, you know, I think, first of all, I think realistic expectations is for the for the U.S. team to advance into the second round. I think that's realistic. I think U.S. team, unfortunately, didn't win the first game, didn't play well the second half of the first game, and that cost them uh two points obviously because they only got one point um but you know player by player they're much better than the iran team much better than the wales team and i think overall that will that will help them to get into the second round and i and i think that's fair enough in terms of you know how far we've come along i mean it's you know the team the team is young um but but i i I and this is a personal thing, but I, I personally don't really like to talk about, OK, the team is young and we're looking to 2026 because in the next four years, a lot can happen. It's very difficult for a player to actually make a World Cup team. So many things have to be happening. You have to be in your perfect form. You have to not be injured. A lot has to happen for you to play a World Cup. It's for us to think, OK, this is a young team, so let's just use this one to prepare for the next one. I'm not buying it. We have to come here and win in this one. And then we worry about the next one when we get there. Yeah, I I, I tend to 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 see that. Um, when when technology, you you mentioned technology, and nowadays, I mean, I'll I'll tell the story. I told the story on this podcast before. Um, you know, my wife's family. Uh, my wife has some family in England, and they are when I when I when I met her, you know, seventeen years ago. Uh, they 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 were season ticket holders. They still are season ticket holders to Arsenal. So over COVID, with streaming services, you know, with Peacock, since you're you're on Peacock, uh, yep. you can see virtually every uh, Arsenal game. And I've kind of adopted them as as, as my team. Um, that for an American fan is a relatively easy thing to do. To do, you saw what NBC paid for Premier League rights. I'm not just saying Arsenal, just just the Premier League in general. So to be a massive soccer fan or football fan in America, you don't have to necessarily like the American game. The you know you can root for the country because it's your country to support. But I think now the world has become a lot smaller, where American fans or at least fans based in America can get access to anything. Whereas when the World Cup was here in the '90s. That didn't exist. If you were a Bundesliga fan in, in Chicago, you had struggled to get scores, let alone see games. And now that's such a, an easy thing. It's almost like the fan in Milwaukee, you know, fan in New York can be a, a Milwaukee Bucks fan 
just like, as much as they could be a Knicks fan. They don't have to live in New York to, to, to like the, the Milwaukee Bucks. What about the idea that now fans are fans of the global game and soccer's popularity has never been higher, yet American soccer is not necessarily the highest? I know that's a really oh, you long know, I mean, I, question. No, but, it, you know, it's a question, but it's, it's, it's more of a statement. And I think you're absolutely right. I, I think American, the American soccer fan has a choice. And it, and it is the same if you're in New Jersey. It is the same to watch any team in the world and to be a fan of any league in the world. Obviously, you know, you would hope that every once in a while you go to some Red Bull games. I would like to see that. All the fans right. do that. But, but, but you're absolutely right. Fans can pick and choose. And now, you know, I, I think... You know, now that MLS goes into Apple TV, they they they're making it a little bit harder for the regular fan to find their games. And uh, and I think that may be a little bit of an issue because you're absolutely right. Although the game has grown tremendously. I mean, look at the salaries of the players. Look at the beautiful stadiums that all MLS teams play in the facilities they have for training, the the environments they create for the development of their players like it, everything is there. But the 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 eyes on the television when mls games are happening those are not growing that much and but, uh, but and is that the measuring exactly stick but is, but is that well, the measuring stick because you know th the reality of it is is you know you saw and just to compare just to give this stat uh nbc paid more for premier league rights than espn and turner did for the nhl combined um is the, the the measuring stick for American popularity MLS or is it just the game in general? I think for me as a fan, it's the game, right? I would love for MLS to be the one day to be the best league in the world. And I think MLS needs to continue to work towards that. But I think at this point, it doesn't surprise me that NBC pays what they pay for the Premier League. The Premier League is the best league in the world where most of the best players play the best and most popular sport in the world. And that's why you pay what you pay. It's, it's, it's pretty uh, remarkable. Okay. So, so take me away from the United States. I know that Argentina had that big upset to Saudi Arabia. I also know that England has these massive expectations after that dramatic loss in the euros. Um, who are the other teams that people listening to this podcast that are never watched a world cup, who are some of these teams that they should at least circle and make sure that they tune into those games? Well, I tell you what, a game that I, that I saw yesterday, you know, we, we've been, many analysts have sort of picked Denmark as the dark horse team that can surprise in this world cup because they're, they're very good. They have great players and, and they play good soccer and they've, you know, they, they had, you know, their qualifying was uh, quite easy, actually. Um, and they played Tunisia yesterday. And when you saw how hard Tunisia play, that was the that was the exact essence of what the World Cup is about, because, you know, obviously most fans wouldn't know one player on Tunisia, nor have they ever seen them play. And sure. and to see how hard they played and to see the type of game that it was and to see how they could have won that game, although obviously Denmark was a little bit better. Um, it was amazing. And that that's really what the World Cup is about. So are, are we going to pick a team that's going to be a surprise? You know, I'm I'm not sure what other teams fans should be watching. I think fans should try to watch any game they can watch uh, because games are exciting. And and again, the difference in watching this type of soccer is that the, it, there's 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 passion for the culture where people come from. And, and that has a lot more value to it than any club game. 
And you see that feeling on the field and in the stands. Well, the amazing part of, to me that I've been impressed with is how many uh, fans have come from all the various teams. I mean, you know, you see a France game, France is playing and you have all these French fans. And I'm thinking to myself, where did all these people come from? Like, there's so <laughs> many people. How big is this this city that that, that, that they're in? It, it's, it's crazy to see the fan bases. I remember I saw a friendly uh, back in, in America, you know, that, uh, international champions cup where all the teams, uh, you know, travel to, uh, new, sure. you know, North America, you know, as like a preseason friendly tournament. And these fans were in tears, like to see their stars, like to see these, these players, I can just imagine people have traveled from miles just to, to witness. I mean, I'm amazed that you guys traveled for, for broadcast purposes. I can't imagine somebody from Poland, from Mexico, from Germany, from Spain, from Belgium, all these different places are coming all over the world just to see a glimpse of their team play in this tournament. The scope of this is hard to put into words. Yeah, because it's it's so much different watching on TV. So uh, I, I took my son to the France-Australia game uh, last night. and. Uh, and obviously, and, and we were sitting, you know, a few rows up from the field. And, you know, I kind of did that on purpose so we could be close to the players and my son could be the, see the players sort of play live because much different than watching on TV. And he was amazed by, you know, when Mbappe gets the ball or when Ousmane de, Dembele gets the ball, the, the, the actual speed that they dribble at that you can see at field level is amazing. And I think, you know, we, we also went to that game thinking, you know, France, Australia, in in the middle of Qatar somewhere, uh, you know, the stadium was probably not going to be packed. How would it be packed? And it was absolutely packed about, I guess, 50 or 60,000 people at this game. And it was the stadium was packed. It was it was amazing experience. You know how they always say in an Olympics, uh, once the Olympic Games, you know, all the all the controversies, all the, the 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 talk, all the news about an Olympic city, whether it was Sochi or or China or any of these other other Olympic Games, that once the first event happens, everybody forgets that and they just get into the 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 the, the you know the the example of you know what the events are and it just goes on to the field. In something like this, have you noticed that people are talking about the host city less? and the competition more? Yes, but I also feel like the narrative was not exactly, you know, it was a little bit different of what the, what the actual scenario here is. Uh, you know, so I came here, I came here thinking, you know, one, one day I went running and, and, um, uh, and I was supposed to go somewhere else. And, and, and I was with, with someone who was walking into the mall and I'm like, oh, I'm going to stay outside because, you know, I have short time. I'm not sure how people feel about that here. And, you know, I don't want to get into trouble. And then I realized now I've been here for over a week and a half, you know, and everybody's wearing shorts. Every this is no different. And I'm being, being totally honest with you. This is no different than being in Sarasota on vacation. I mean, there's people out there's there's women at the mall wearing shorts and, you know, wearing like and taking pictures of everything and everyone takes pictures everywhere. And right. you know, so that's and, something and I, such, yeah. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that. Yeah, I, I would imagine just kind of the world has kind of taken over that city. And I, I you know, it almost seems governness, governless, like it just it just seems like the inmates are running the asylum kind of feel like um, there's just too many people that you couldn't you couldn't, um, uh, you know, implement any kind of 
uh, conservative policies simply because there's just too many people. Yeah, that's I'm not sure if that's the case or not. You I don't know. know. I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, this is this is just what I see. I see like, yeah. you know, here, you know, we we go in and out and just really know there haven't been any issues at all. But let me ask uh, in closing here. Uh, what about uh, the World Cup that what about this World Cup that you see um, that will kind of tell people that this is a unique one, that this is special more so than any of the other past ones like what is something that has to happen is it uh saudi arabia has to upset argentina is it the upset story um for people who don't have necessarily a dog in this race um what about the idea that uh what will captivate the the planet the way a world cup you that, that you know a world cup can well, you know, that is it's funny you mentioned Saudi Arabia, because, you know, for what I read, uh, you know, according to, I guess, Nielsen, you know, Saudi Arabia had an 8.7 percent chance of winning that game, which makes them, you know, the biggest sure. underdog to ever win a World Cup game. Sure. Uh, so that was historic. Argentina had not lost the game, which they were leading into and in, going into halftime since the 1930 World Cup final. So that's about 100 years since Argentina lost the game that way. So a lot of things are happening now. There's, you know, there's great athletes on every team and any team can beat any other team anytime. Um, I think that's one of the things. But I think if I had to remember one thing about this World Cup is, is how close all the stadiums are. Because you can literally, I'm not sure, you know, yesterday I went, it was, I had half of day off. I, I did some, some TV work in the morning and then I had sort of the afternoon off and I was able to go to two World Cup games in two different stadiums. That is not normal. That doesn't normally happen. Uh, and so instead of flying from one city to another here, you can catch, you know, you could potentially catch four games in one day. Right. It's more of a, a feel. Uh, the two analogies that I saw where people compared it to uh, going from Arthur Ashe stadium at the U S tennis center to uh, the Armstrong stadium, where you're like, you just walk across a platform or um, people compared it to spring training in Arizona, where you could go from like uh, you could go from Tucson to uh, Phoenix to, to uh, you know, Peoria, like all these different things. And you could go from stadium to stadium to stadium. They said, it's really, really close to together. Uh, how can people find you and how can people reach out to you? Assuming Twitter is still alive by the time this podcast comes out. Um, what, what, how, how, how can people find you and uh, how do they find when you're on uh, Telemundo and Peacock? Yeah. So uh, I'm not, I'm not huge on social media, but I do use my Twitter account. As long as it stays alive, I'm, I'm going to be in that, in that form. Uh, so my, my Twitter, Twitter handle is at Ramos tab. Right on. All one, and, uh, all one word. And, and, and so tell me, so, so do you have games every day, every other day? How, how does it work for you personally? I have games, uh, let's just say two out of three, two out of three days. I usually, I, I will usually post them. Uh, so they'll be, they'll be on my Twitter uh, when I'm on. I have just off the top of my head, I have every U.S. game. I have every uh, Canada game. Uh, so okay. for those two teams, I will be, I will be commentating every one of their games. And then I have other, other random teams throughout. Is, 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 is Canada any good? Canada is very good. Canada comes here as the as the leader of Concacaf. You know, as you may know, they were sure. 
they were first place in qualifying and uh and they have a very good team so let's see they, they're in a difficult group much more difficult i think than the u.s group yeah they're with uh, belgium croatia and morocco and at the time Correct. of this recording, they haven't played yet. So, so, so that, that, that's coming. But again, uh, if you're listening to this in the future, do me a favor. Tell me how the flying car is and uh, okay. <laughs> how this goes. Uh, Tab, thank you so much for doing this. I know how busy uh, this, this schedule must be for you. Uh, I really appreciate the time and the honesty. Uh, I look forward to watching your coverage as well as uh, the rest of it. Um, I'm in. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're watching this thing. I still hope all the Arsenal players don't get hurt. I want Brazil to uh, just gingerly uh, don't let Gabriel Jesus uh, go down the down the lane. Uh, I'm no offense to the Brazilians. I don't care how they play. I just want that guy back uh, healthy when it comes back to Arsenal. But I guess I'm I'm in the minority. Most of these people are saying screw it. You know, give everything for your country and uh, and and don't care about those things. Yeah, and, and Brazil is so good that you, you may be lucky enough that Gabriel Jesus may not be getting all that much playing time anyway. Yeah, oh, that, that'd be right. I, I read that article and I went, oh, that's yeah. fine. It's just, it's yeah. fine. Let the other guy play. Right. <laughs> all right, all right. Thank you for having me on. Take care. Tab Ramos right here on Sports with Friends. Our thanks to him. Thank you to NBC Universal for helping set that interview up. I just want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Take some time. Uh, and next week, we have another fun podcast plan. So uh, Sports with Friends comes out each and every Wednesday. We will see you next week. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go. To stay, I got to be me. You'll never be in doubt. That's what it's all about. You can't take me for granted and smile. Come on, please, I'm gone. Forget reaching me by phone. Because I promise I'll be gone for a while. When you see me again, I hope that you have been the kind of person. That you really are now We got to get in straight How could I ever be late When you're my woman Taking up my time